0: Welcome back to Behind the Play. My name is Alex Adams, and today I'm very excited to introduce our guests Ross Levitan and Brandon Piller of the Locked On Senators Podcast. How's it going, guys?
1: Really appreciate you having us, Alex. We're happy to be here. Yep.
0: Um, before uh I wanted to get into your career, but I just wanted to to add this for the listeners. Um, I think you guys in, for Sense fans, it's been the summer of Pierre. I think for a lot of other Sense fans, it's also been the summer of Locked On Senators. Maybe <laughs> that's just my personal kind of opinion. You guys have really shot up, and it's been great to see. Um, so, I first wanted to ask you both a little bit about what kind of got you started in sports journalism and when you maybe thought about it as a career path.
2: Yeah, well, I'll uh, I'll take this one first. Uh, for, for me, it was. I had been working in the restaurant industry my whole life. Ross is a, a similar story and it was just kind of looking for something different. What else can I do? And I had a lot of people telling me, Oh, you've got a, a, a voice for radio, which is better than a face for radio. So I took that yeah. as a compliment and, um, Then I combined that. I was like, okay, people tell me that I I have a talent with my voice. Well, how can I use that in a career? And then I I love sports. I love hockey. So I just started Googling sports journalism, sports broadcasting. And then I came upon the College of Sports Media, which is a private career college in Toronto. And I applied. I got accepted. It's a two-year program. And that's where it all started. And then once I was accepted... I I wasn't ready to go to school yet. I needed to save a little more money, get a little more prepared. So I started volunteering with my local TV station in Guelph, Ontario, Rogers TV. So I was doing camera work, uh, all kinds of work for the Guelph Storm. That's why uh, if you listen on the podcast, I'm always cheering for the Guelph Storm. That's my squad in the OHL. But that's how I got started. And then I got off to school finished school was lucky enough to get an internship at TSN. I was working at uh, Sports Center in the newsroom. Then I was hired there as well. And while I was working at TSN in the newsroom, Ross and I were still doing our podcast which we started in school, making sense of the sense powered by Sense Central was our uh, was our title and Then we were lucky through a connection through Ross, and I guess this is where I'll pass the torch off to you, Ross, through a connection that you had with your internship at TSN Radio, we got introduced to the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Yeah, 100%. So just to rewind, uh, I was working in Halifax at the time and went to – we actually went to George Brown one year apart right after. Yeah, we just
2: missed each other. Yeah, very Very random. Yeah, you were in
1: the restaurant management course. I was in the culinary school uh, for for chef training. So, um, yeah, I worked in kitchens, but I always had one earphone in with Dean and Gord calling the Sens game every night, you know, the pre-post game show. So that was a no-brainer when the opportunity came up. One of my good friends was already going to – uh, the college of sports media and like pills he deferred a year where you know you got to save up do all those other things so i was like man i could go in the same class with him like that that'd be awesome um so got in there and then yeah, skip forward to us starting the pod we actually started the podcast making sense of the sends in january of 2017 so we did it once a week but it happened to be when they made the run to the conference final so we're like wow this is a lot of fun let's keep doing it uh had a few guests like we'd had we'd reach out to um, uh agents when they'd follow us on twitter like we had drake batherson was i believe our first guest we got sean donovan on uh just through the sends we showed up at the rico coliseum with uh with a, a big camera and microphones but we weren't going to use the video we just didn't know how else to record it onto audio so that's uh, those were kind of the rookie mistakes that we had to grind through and yeah then at the um, our internship um <clears throat> People might know Al's brother from Overdrive or from TSN 1050. So his name's Mike DeStefano. Uh, not to dox him or anything, but uh, <laughs> no. Now he hosts Leafs Lunch, so it's it's good to see him do a step in the right direction. But not only that, he's also the host of Locked On Leafs, and this is when uh, Locked On was just getting started. And they're like, "Oh, you guys have a send show. We we don't have one. So why don't you message Sean Woodley, who's the channel manager, also the host of Locked On Raptors, and." Uh, next thing you know we we had our first show November 10th we thought we're like man this is a lot to bite off five days a week right there's three of us at the time there's still our, our good friend Chris Parliament who who just couldn't handle the the five days and I don't blame him for it um, but once we started we're like okay like um, Parley will do a show by himself one day I'll do one by myself like we'll do it whenever we can and we'll hop in and uh, slowly but surely it kind of morphed into just Pilsy and I doing it every day and uh, then once the pandemic hit, we saw an opportunity where nobody else was really providing content on a daily basis, not even the mainstream guys. There wasn't really much to talk about. So we tapped into nostalgia. We tapped into, uh, you know, the history of the team. And uh, next thing you know, we have people coming up to us at at games saying we helped them through the pandemic or whatnot, which is, uh, I'm sure, overblown to an extent. But we were just kind of trying to do our part and um, and and kind of grow our brand
0: that way, And and it worked for sure. I guess what, like, how is your dynamic between the two kind of evolved from when you started Send Central in 2017
1: to to now? It's probably bad to say, Pelzi. I don't know if it's evolved that much. I I go back, I still did the welcome inside. Like, like some things, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Obviously, we can read off each other better. We know when to jump in a little bit more, even though at the start, especially the making sense of the Sends days, Which is is really where kind of your development would happen before. Kind of, I feel like it would have been different if we started over Zoom, right? But when we started, we were in a room together, so you can kind of pick up habits that sort of thing. And uh, that really, I think, laid the foundation for everything beyond that. And it's just two guys shooting shooting the breeze whenever we get together. Like it's not, uh, it doesn't feel like we're working. It doesn't feel like that. But I think the biggest thing is knowing when to jump in and when not to. Is kind of, and I'm still kind of learning that because I get too excited. I want to jump in all the time. So, um, but yeah, all in all, I'd say that the the biggest dynamic was was uh, at the start. We we're both pretty green, right? We we're just coming in. We we're in our uh, our first year of school, right? It was uh, it was six months after anyone had ever put a microphone in front of our faces. So there was a
2: lot to learn overall, as well as with each other. Yeah, I mean, when it, when you do 600 and what are we at 56 now, Ross? 656, I 57 today. 57. Okay. So you kind of get a, a feel for each other. And I think it's, it's very similar to uh defense pairing, right? You need yin and yang. There's things that Ross brings to the table that, that I really don't. And I believe there's things that I bring to the table that Ross doesn't. And we've had people tell us that, that they love the, the differences in our styles and I think that's what goes towards making a good podcast is you can't just have two guys with similar opinions. Otherwise, there's no discussion. But you can't have two guys that are at each other's throats all the time either, because you need that camaraderie, you need uh, kind of the laughs and you need the good times to keep the people connected and to try to build a community, which is what we've been trying to do. So it is a grind. Absolutely. But like Ross said, this is something that it's a it's a passion project for us. We love doing it and seeing the support and hearing from fans uh, like yourself, Alex, saying that we had a massive summer and they love watching us grow. Like that just means the world to us and it keeps us grinding and it keeps us motivated to to do better and to keep bringing all this content for all you guys uh, on a daily basis.
0: I, I guess I want to ask a little bit now. Like you've you've mentioned your fans, like what what do you think has been such like a big reason for why you guys have been so successful that like the past year or two i know congratulations in order is i know you guys are at five thousand or five hundred thousand (laughs) audio downloads so congratulations (laughs) um but yeah just speak to what do you think has made it so successful with your fans
1: well i think we first off a little stick tap to to locked on like they They've kind of set the template of how long the show should be, even though we we trickle over a little bit often, uh, maybe a lot often, but I think they kind of set the tone. Like they hook us up with our Restream account, our our YouTube, everything that they gave us, uh, I guess, a grant or whatever to get some nice microphones. They're behind the scenes. They do what they can. They supply us with an originated list of sponsors that they get. So the way it's all broken up is – By download, they split up the sponsors per share. So obviously there's a little bit of competition there is I want the biggest piece of the pie versus the other shows. We're going to help them out as much as we can, but at the same time, right? You You want that piece of the pie. But I think the biggest thing when you're looking at what's kind of allowed us to connect with people is that we don't pretend like we're announcing to people. We just want it to feel. And I think it was Cole Jackson wrote to us on Twitter the other day is just it feels like they're sitting in a bar when and just shooting the breeze with with your friends when you're listening to us. That's the atmosphere we want. We don't want to sit there and just read off stats. Yeah. We just want to make it feel like you're having a conversation at a bar with your friends. Like I think that that resonates with people. And then we thought, okay, so there's other people that that can do this. Like we're not the only ones, but how can we be unique? I've got a bit of a Rolodex from working at TSN radio. So does Pilsey. So we tapped into that right off the bat. Like Craig Button was a big help to help us grow, uh, kind of lending his credibility to our show. You know, um, you've already had that. Like David Amber was on last week. That's yeah. huge. He'd be a big get for us, man. That's awesome. Um, so you you add these different voices to the show and that really helped. Like, obviously, I think the, the game breaker was getting Tim Stutzla and that was just honestly luck of the draw. Like I, I reached out to every team that the Senators drafted from. And Mannheim got back to me. Others didn't. So it just, obviously, then you have to do a good interview. You're getting it's half the battle, though. And I think that the, I wasn't scared of rejection. I wasn't scared of not hearing back. So I just reached out to as many people as often as I could. And it goes through the summer. Like, I'm not going to annoy people on their social media, but I'll shoot one DM. I'll just be like, hey, like, would you ever want to come on the pod? And the amount of people who are very happy to do it right away, it would it would shock you. Like Mm -hmm. I I think that that's been a huge, huge reason for the success is getting so many different voices. Pillsy, 647 episodes. How many? 57 episodes. How many guests do you think we've had on?
2: Hundreds. Like over 500 probably. Like it's, it's crazy.
1: Yeah. And then we do our Send Central Citizen, which is the last point I'll make here, Alex, and that's really helped. And we want to get you on for it as well. But we just invite a listener on the show and talk about how you became a Sens fan. What are your favorite memories about cheering for the Sens? Who were your first favorite players? Who were your favorite players on the team? Now, if you get a jersey, who would you get? If you're DJ Smith, make one change. And if you're Pierre Dorian, what would be your first move in office? And it's, it's a template that has really
2: helped make people feel they're a part of the show. And that's what we want. And, and just to add, add a, a little bow on that, that's the thing is, Ross and I, we we like to call ourselves the People's Pod because we're we're fans of this team. We've been fans of this team. Ross was bo- Ross was born to be a Sens fan, born in Ottawa when the team started. Like we we've been around, we've we've been through the struggles that Sens fans have been through, and we've been those people being like, the Sens just played an amazing game. Let's turn on SportsCenter and watch it oh, here's a video from the Leafs practice yesterday. Oh, here's uh, Montreal uh, Canadiens assistant coach talking for 10 minutes. You're like, what about the Sens game? Like, it was an amazing game. We want to hear about the Sens. We need more content. So we wanted to be, we saw there was a void in that market and we said, hey, Why can't we be the people that fills that void? We can be a show that goes five days a week. We can be a show where sense fans that have complaints or hot takes, they can voice those. They have a platform to get those opinions out there and we can have those discussions. We want to be the podcast that does meet and greets and have over a hundred people come to the bar before the game and hang out. And we want to sell a thousand tickets to the home opener. Like we're trying to grow this community and, and really nurture it so that it can be, become a full thriving community and culture like we always wanted it to be. And we're starting to see those things. And, and I think that's the main goal of this podcast is to, is to really allow Sens fans to have, have their spot, have their community. And uh, we're, we're grateful to be, have the opportunity to help grow that.
0: I, I, I just wanted to go over to, to move on to, you just mentioned you had all those fans at the home opener. How was that like? And and what was that process like of getting all those seats and reaching out? Like, that must have been just, like, incredible, but also a lot, too.
2: Yeah, it definitely was. And, uh, I mean, I'll I'll definitely tip my cap. Ross did a lot uh, more, more of this behind the scenes than I did. But we had a really successful event last season uh, up against the Montreal Canadiens. We did a meet and greet. We had about 60 people show up. Uh, we sold tickets in, in in one section, and things looked good. So that was kind of the... The trial for it, and then this year, it was no secret we were doing this for the whole opener. We've been planning it for months. We had shout out to the people at the Senators, the whole franchise, uh, people behind the scenes, PR people, ticket sales. All these guys are helping us, and and they recognize what we're trying to do, and are now really being more of an ally than they ever were in trying to help us help them. And yeah, Ross, I'll, I'll let you take over uh, how the ticket sales went because that was wild.
1: Yeah, well, Devin Tivindale, uh was the guy who I've been uh, in contact with. Really good dude. Got to meet him right before the game. And uh, yeah, we it started out with us saying like, hey, what kind of discount can you get if we all want tickets together? Like, is there um if we sell 50 do we get a little more if we sell 100 is it a bit more or whatnot and uh we came to an agreement on something good and and it worked out well like not, not nothing was coming to our pocket we didn't care for that we wanted everyone else to get the discount ourselves included we bought tickets in the section just the same so um no it worked out really well and uh, stanley's bar and grill was awesome before putting on a five dollar pint promo for everybody i think that that is obviously a, a way to get people out and um you can't do it in the middle of winter but that walk is awesome from the Sensplex to the to the rink. It's like eight minutes of fresh air. You get to go down. All the cars are like stop and go, so people are cheering out their windows. Like it's just a great atmosphere, and it's awesome to be a part of. The sun was setting at the same time. Like you really couldn't draw it up any better than that. And the the Sens just don't lose when we go to games since the podcast started. They're eight 0 when we have boots on the ground. Like it, it's actually wild, and obviously that's just a bit of good luck. To even pilsen came to Winnipeg for a preseason game. He was going across country, so he didn't just come here for a preseason game. But he was going across country, stopped in. We saw Ridley Greg go between the legs, backhand upstairs. Pinto game winner in overtime. Like it, it's just been awesome that uh, that we've been able to have these great games to kind of go further uh, as, as a network, right? Like, um, you, you look and it's just kind of happenstance. Like we we suffered for so long with how bad this team was that you need moments to hold on to and. They've they've certainly provided some for us. So now that it kind of feels like the page is being turned to a new chapter of, of this team's history, we feel like we've set ourselves up well. Where if there's gonna be competition, we've kind of been through the the battles a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like, um, there's a new network, or not a new network, but a successful one in Toronto, and they're trying to put put a competition up against our postcast. That's fine, but people are like, wait, I watched this after 11 straight losses. Now, after they win, I want to hear how they sound after a win for once. I feel like we kind of have have uh, built a, a, a community a little bit more Where And I mean, we've got to tip our hat too. to Chirp is the the original for like community building. Of course, a different format being a blog versus a podcast. But that was kind of a template that I saw where it's like he has no affiliation to a network or anything. And he has like thousands of comments every day of people visiting his site. So I saw that. I know Sens fans from just from growing up in Manor Park and you see how passionate everyone is. It's there's a void in the market and we feel like we're doing a pretty good job of filling it. So to answer your question in a long winded way, like Sens fans are passionate as, as themselves. Like I didn't really have to do anything except for allow them the opportunity to click a link. Like, We sold out 200 tickets in maybe four minutes, then sold out 250 tickets in eight minutes. Like it was ridiculous. The last one lasted the longest. I believe we sold 300 tickets in like 12 hours was the last one. We, the final number was a thousand. We sold exactly a thousand tickets in a, out of what, what was it? Nineteen two? Yeah. 19,811 was the home opener. Yeah. Right. So yeah. one nineteenth of the entire crowd got tickets through our link. Like that is mind blowing. We, we try not to let it like sink in or else it, it might kind of blow my mind too much. But um, we like when we're on the show, like we never think of how many people are watching or listening. That's why we're comfortable sounding like idiots. I used to cut <laughs> so much from the show yeah. and now I leave everything in except one last week, but I just forgot <laughs> to speak English. Uh, so I just like stopped talking. I looked like a deer in the headlights. So I couldn't pick it back up. Uh, but beyond that, like, we used to literally cut every
0: little um out of our show. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But now, I, I guess, I um, guess so, so you're saying that, so when you started, were you, like, you were that meticulous, you were that driven, and then over the, like. The, I just didn't
1: want us to sound sound bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and honestly, like, Pillsy, what do you always say about the ums?
2: Yeah, it got to a point, uh, Alex, and I'm sure you editing your podcast, you, you've seen this and we would cut so many of the ums out. I didn't listen for the ums. I knew what they looked like. Like I knew what the wave graph of an um from Ross and what a uh from me looked like. So I could just scan and be like, there's an um, there's an um, cut, cut, cut. And that's the thing. We are so worried about, we need to be the most polished podcast. We need to have the best stats. We need to be so prepared. We need, everything needs to be perfect. And now we've kind of got to a point which we're both very grateful that people come to our show not for the most polished podcast or I hope not anymore or the best stats or anything like that they come to us because they are interested in on how we chalk up the game they want to hear our take on it and they want to laugh at us like there's there's things that I, I mean oh my goodness the amount of dumb things I've said on the podcast that I regret almost immediately and people bring up over and over, but. I That's can take it. it. I can take it. It's it's fun. You know, I'm not I, we've done over 650 episodes. I'm going to say some dumb stuff once in a while and it's all in good fun. So, it, if people find it entertaining, we want to entertain people. We want people that, to be like, "Oh, I've locked on center's podcast. We can learn about the game, hear from players, hear other voices, and we'll just have fun and have a couple laughs along the way." That sounds good to me.
0: I I guess I wanted to, my, my last question about just how your podcast has been been going. I wanted to know what's it been like this summer with all the moves and all the excitement. Like, have you noticed a huge uptick? Like I'm one of those fans. Like I, I had heard of you guys, but then like Drew's coming and I'm like, I need a postcast. And then I see you guys in Martian and like, I went to you guys for that excitement. So what's it been like for you guys this summer with all the excitement and just the podcast and everything?
1: you know what's funny i always take people back to the first ever episode of making sense of the Sens. we were breaking up <laughs> the victor stallberg edition to the team right yep. like we've seen a few guys come and go uh between now and then so obviously claude Giroux is is the most exciting one for me and and i was actually on a boat in the middle of the greek islands when DeBrinket got got traded here and i was like i can't believe it the wi-fi was good enough for twitter but we tried to record something and pills. He's like, Oh, you sound good. And then after he's like, no, the recording is brutal. So I couldn't get in the mix for that. But, um, that, I guess that shows kind of our, our drive is like, I don't care where I am. I believe it was like midnight or something. I was like, let's go need, need this. Um, but no, we, we have a ton of fun with it. And yeah, the excitement is, is long overdue to an extent, but, um, it doesn't take much to get me excited either. Like we, we would get fired up for a two game win streak last year, Pills. I mean, hey, nothing wrong with that. Two-game wins is
2: two-game wins.
1: (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, no, when it comes to getting people excited, like, I think that what we hear most, and like Billy said, we're not the most polished. We don't have the most advanced stats. Like, I'm not full Wayne Gretzky stats are for losers, but I am uh, of the mind where, like, I prefer to just kind of chalk up the game without getting too bogged down in, like, Oh, this guy had twelve clean zone exits, but eight were 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 broken up. So that means he had a bad game. I, I like I'm a big eye test guy for sure. At the end of the day, but natural statric has helped us kind of understand these uh, advanced analytics a little bit more. So um, it's not that we're against them, but I think when when we base our show around the vibes of the team and and how we're feeling about the team, I think it lends for for a more relatable. So listen, like if you're if you're on a bus, like numbers just kind of like there's so many other it's like sensory overload. If you're if you're traveling, you're on a bike, whatever, like just numbers going in and out. But if you can feel our energy around what we're talking about, I think that that is much more important. So I think that that's been able to resonate a lot better when we're happy versus when we're sad. But I guess there's some people that are sickos and like listening to us when we're really upset
0: after in November, like last year. Um, I, I guess I just wanted to move on a little bit to, uh, the hockey Canada story, because I think before we get into the, how good the Sens have been this year and how you guys think about it, I I wanted to know, as you guys are reporters, um, and, and journalists, um, and obviously for the senators, uh, two players on the team, Drake Batherson and Alex Formington were on that world junior hockey team in 2018, how have you guys approached talking about that story this summer and i know you have talked about it and as well what do you think the the onus is on like sports journalists like you and i guess me to an extent uh to delve into these stories and talk about them
2: well it's important to talk about them i I think that's where you got to start and I, I don't really view myself so much as a sports journalist anymore. Obviously we took journalist classes and, and things like that, but I, I view myself more as a, a broadcaster entertainment. So I, I'm not digging into these, these stories or or really any other stories to, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I'm very focused on the sense and um, the vibes of the team and the podcast and all the things like that. So I'll, I'll just say that as kind of a blanket statement to start. If you're looking for, real in-depth opinions, yeah, investigative oh, yeah, yeah. journalism. There, there are other people that do great work. Rick Westhead obviously is one. So we always try to point people in that direction. If you're looking for the a- absolute best coverage of that, just plain truthfully, we are, we are not the best spot for that because that's not our focus. But I don't want that to sound like we're shying away from it because that's not at all the case. The thing with this is it's been an ongoing story for a very long time and we only have so much information like the, we can only go, or at least what Ross and I's approach is we can only go off the facts and the, the, the stats and the, the truth that's been reported and is available to us. And there hasn't been a lot of new news in in a while, unfortunately. And I think where we've tried to shift the focus isn't trying to speculate who did what and what punishment should be had here and all those kinds of things because we just simply don't know enough to start getting into those conversations where our conversations have shifted with this alex is what can we do to be better as a society and specifically hockey culture because we all know junior hockey culture has had an issue with this ongoing for a long time and you don't believe that well hockey canada has shown you that that is the case because they have set aside a fund of money paid for by all people that play hockey in canada you pay it in your registration fees a portion of that goes towards this fund which absolutely disgusts me is that that there's money put aside not if sexual assaults happen but when sexual assaults happen so that they're prepared to pay off victims and pay settlements and try to settle things and sweep things under the rug. That is absolutely the wrong approach. We need to be doing what we can to educate players about the importance of consent, uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment, how to treat young women, how to treat and it goes both, both ways, how, how everyone should be treated and what is okay, what isn't okay. And if something does go wrong, Who can you talk to about that? Who needs to be told about that? What is the process here? So I think really the conversations that should be had now should be focusing on preventing sexual assaults from happening and obviously helping the victims too. It's not just, you can't focus on all the hockey players. It's a terrible, terrible thing for the victims and they need even more support than anyone in this situation. But for a lot of people, they want answers and they want us to speculate and they want us to say, this player needs to be suspended or they can never sign this player or how can this player s- play on this team? How are we cheering for this guy, etc. cetera? When we know more, we can react more. But my at least I'll, I'll speak for myself on this and Ross can uh, say his piece. But for my view, my, my focus is on how can I educate myself and how can I educate others so that we can all do a better job as a society in trying to make sure that these terrible, terrible things happen less and hopefully never again
1: yeah i wish and i i want to echo a lot of what pilsey said but i wish that the the funds that hockey Canada had set up were more for education at the start of every season why not get everyone in a room have people from crisis centers and different areas that deal with victims of sexual assault hell there's plenty of survivors that have been vocal with their own stories have them go in before like the world juniors they have a summer evaluation camp every year have somebody go in Explain them. Now, there's bad apples in every bunch, but you have to do everything you can at the start of every season and throughout and, and make it continuous, uh, continuing education, like to, to put it a completely different field. Uh, my fiance works in, in health care and every year she has to have a certain amount of, amount of hours of continued education for the rest of her career. Like, yeah, you have sex education in high school, but then you don't hear about it ever again. I think there has to be something in place where you're continuing every year to to be reinforced with these proper habits. And some people would snicker and be like, what do you mean? Like, just show respect, get respect. It's easy, but it's a little more complex when, when we're having these issues. So I think that, yeah, it has to start at the grassroots. Hell, not even World Junior Camp, but like at all levels. I'm talking about like timbits once they once they can if you can skate you should be able to sit down and listen to someone talk to you and and um and you know really kind of hammer home what should be the the makings of a proper society where everyone respects each other and yeah it is tough especially to deal with on the podcast where it's like we we have 30 to 40 minutes every day to to discuss all things Ottawa Senators and it it obviously right now one player isn't signed and I'm uh, again we don't speculate but you got to think he's the last guy signed that it's like, okay, is it because of the investigation? Now maybe they're just waiting for it to clear up and maybe they don't want the, the storm that would happen if he signs, even if it's not, but because it's like, okay, he's one of the guys who didn't put out a statement, which I'm not a legal expert, but those statements were pretty like barren. Um, But anyways, like see, when you talk about it, you get into speculating just by having the conversation. And that's why we more so like to, Repeat if Rick Westhead puts out a tweet, like it's the same with the Sens. Like, yeah. how do you how do we get our topics? Oh, the Sens tweeted out that Antoine Bebo is hurt. Okay, how are we gonna react to that? So Rick Westhead puts out a tweet, we're gonna react to that. And if uh, Emily Kaplan or um I'm I'm blank Katie Strang, if they put out an article, Ian Mendez has been very involved in this as well, if they put out one. Absolutely. We're going to react to it accordingly and do all that. But some people want us to like lead our show with it every day and it's just not going to happen. Like it's, it's, there's no new information to come. Like that's we're in, we're a sports news entertainment show. I would say if we had to break it down into one thing, there's plenty of smarter people than us who spend much more time on the ins and outs of this circumstance. But what we want to echo is just education from grassroots and prevention rather than reaction once something bad occurs and you can't kind of slap hockey can in the face enough in this situation. They they should be criticized as much as possible for their handlings of it and for their lack of accountability of knowing it's on them to educate these young kids that, that are in their system from grassroots all the way up to the men's national team. So I just hope that they once they've cleared house, now finally the board has all stepped down, that they can rebuild that and, and learn from their mistakes. Now, it's not going to change what's happened in the past, the the awful things and the feelings from the victim that are going to substantiate for who knows how long. I'm sure it doesn't help how they're in the news talking about hockey players instead of how the victim's being helped. I'm sure that's not easy on them. But you just hope that this is a, a really tough but necessary lesson to change the culture around uh, youth hockey and, and kids in general, that they can, you know, be better people and, and have respect for themselves, their elders, their, their females in their life, everyone. And it just makes everyone kind of more comfortable in their own skin. And then everyone can go on and have as successful of a life as, as they can and not feel like other people are bringing them down.
0: I think, I think you guys both put it super eloquently and I really appreciate you guys. Speaking to this, I just think it's an important topic and especially with the Sens, it, it actually does have some sort of significance in terms of the team on the ice. So I would now want to transition to a bit more uh, fun topic to the to Ottawa Senators this year. And I want to ask you guys both, how have you liked their start to the season and, and what have what's kind of impressed you so far about their uh, about their season?
2: Well, didn't love the start to the season, Alex. Uh, the the road trip, uh, losing both games, starting zero two. Things were a little uh, uh, nervous, some anxiety of uh, the past two season. Terrible starts start creeping up on you, but we all knew they just needed some home cooking. They just needed the fans back at the CTC cheering them on, and surely that that worked. That just that hit the spot because the Boston Bruins come in undefeated, and the Sens hand them a big old L. So. That was an amazing start, and you knew it was just going to take some time. I think Brady Kachuk, he's the captain. He's the leader for a reason. He said, look, it's two games out of an 82-game season. This is not the time to panic. We're going to figure things out here, and that's what they've done. Four straight wins since that. So I really think the Ottawa Senators have looked good. Now there's been some injury troubles. Josh Norris, unfortunately, is going to be out a while. No Cam Talbot, but... This is where, again, you got to credit Pierre Dorian. Sometimes it's not always about the big, splashy moves you make. Obviously, those are a big deal. Debrinket Giroux looking really good. My guy, Tyler Mott, also looking good. But sometimes it's about you're thinking outside the box. That's going to have a big impact finding guys like Magnus Helberg off the waiver wire. When you need him most finding someone like Derek Brassard that uh, a lot of the league has kind of cast aside and he uh, signs to a PTO. And now he's playing second line center minutes, finding Tyler Mott, someone that, he was left all free agency until the end of uh September, really. And then Pierre Dorian says, Hey, we uh we need a guy to fill a third line winger role, we need someone with your type of play. Signs him to a nice clean one year deal. So, I really think a big part of this start is how the whole team is structured from top to bottom. And it's it's finally an exciting time to be a Sens fan, Ross. I feel like in years past. In even the late October, we're already getting into draft discussions and who the top prospects are going to be. Not draft this year. For losers. Yeah, exactly. Not this year. We got <laughs> our sights set on something higher. So the start has been uh, thrilling, to, to say the least, for Sens fans.
1: Without draft picks, our show would be nothing. So I'd like to retract my last. Laugh.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true.
1: Uh, Alex, do you think Pillsy will have to get a Tyler Mott jersey? He said if Mott gets 30 points this year. He's getting one. He's already got six.
0: Oh,
2: that's it. Tough. Wasn't his
0: career high like 16 or something? yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you know what? I'm gonna, if they keep Pinto on that third line, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. That's my condition. That's my, my conditional. No, that's
2: line. fair. And, and Pia, Ross, that's not a punishment for me. I will, oh. if, if Tyler Maud hits 30, 30 points, pretty much doubles his career highs. I will gladly walk he, down to the send
1: store and get a Tyler Mott jersey. Gladly. Until, until he signs for twice as much money and leaves after one year. And then, hey, hey, now, ready. come but, on. He's
2: going to sign a seven year extension. We talked about this, Ross.
1: Oh, you talked about this. You have to make it a Senegoth jersey, though, because it's a complete uh, move getting a Tyler Mott jersey. <laughs> yeah. First is. retro one. You have to.
0: Yeah, it, that's fair. But my buddy, my buddy, uh said that he didn't think Shane Pinto would get to 15 goals. I guess what Ooh. would your, what would you think? Do you think he could get to 25 goals this year? He's a, he has five I'm not,
1: I'm and six. I've been smoking Shane Pinto grass since he was in college. <laughs> like this guy is like I've got his Nodak jersey hanging up in my closet over there. Like this guy is, uh he's elite. Like you can say he's a defensive-minded center, and he is. He's responsible. He's now snapping him back like he was in college out of the face-off circle, but offensively he's a weapon. Like people were laughing at me when I had him on my projected power play unit in the middle of the summer. I was like, what do you mean? Did you watch his tape at, at North Dakota? Like this guy is an unbelievable one-timer. And it's funny because they obviously have to bring it in that one-timer position on, on the left flank. So they just move Pinto into the high slot and they're like, we're going to tee you up for one-timers there hmm. too. So it, it's been awesome to see how his usage usage has been under DJ Smith. And you knew it would. Because in last season, even though he only played the five games, in the games he didn't get hurt. He was averaging like 22 minutes. He was playing with Connor Brown, his most reliable forward. And uh, it's awesome to see the growth in his game. I think 25 goals is is high. I'll, I'll go with his NODAC no number. I'll say he hits 22. I think that's as high as okay. I'm willing to go. I'll say uh, if you look at, and I know it's different, he's a different age, but Mike Fisher's second year in the league, I think he had 38 points like 18 goals, 20 assists, something like that. I think he could do like 40 points, I think 22 goals, 18 assists is probably, I think, a successful year if and when Norris comes back, right? If he gets those opportunities, then I think we could be looking at a little bit more of a pop. But if he's playing third line power play penalty kill, I think uh, 40 points, 22 goals is my my guess for him.
0: Um, I guess I wanted to just talk a little bit about the power play too and... And just what you've thought about the Brinket this year, uh, like obviously he's, um, it's been interesting in sense Twitter at least how people have seen him so far. Do you think he has he kind of lived up to your expectations so far this year? I would say yes, and
2: you can look at the the goal totals, and for a guy that's gotten forty plus goals multiple times in his young career already and you see just a one next to that uh, G next to his name, and then you consider it's an empty net goal. Sure. Maybe that's cause for concern, but not if you're watching the games, that's the thing. Like if it sends fans that watch all the games, I don't think anyone's panicking about Alex to it because still getting shots. I mean, he had seven shots uh, previously. He's averaging like five shots a game. He's getting chances. He's just not burying them. And, the thing with Alex bring is, I mentioned this, it's not like he's like Patrick Laine, where is if he's not scoring goals, he's just a liability. He's not doing anything out there. Dabrinkit's still producing chances. He's still getting assists. He still looks good out there. So I'm not concerned. And I think all it's going to take is one power play goal, Alex, and the floodgates are going to burst open and he's going to start scoring in bunches because he's going to get that confidence back. So to answer your question I, i'm not worried about to i think having him uh have a little bit more opportunities with josh norris unfortunately out should boost him and we're gonna see we're gonna see great things from alex to
1: alex to has 28 shots on goal the only player in the national hockey league who hasn't played more games than him but has more shots is evander kane who has 30 yeah. like he is right up there he's getting chances and I love how it's a slow start for him. For in some people's minds, he's at a point per game, which would be a career.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: he's just a disher now. Pillsy loves a good disher.
0: I do. I really do. <laughs> I, I wanted to go on to, to one other thing Pillsy really likes, and that's goaltending. Whoa! Uh,
1: whoa. whoa! I don't like <laughs> goaltending. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about Forsberg because I've really loved his play, even though his numbers maybe are a bit like up and down. But I think when you watch him, the eye test, as Ross loves, uh, uh would suggest that he's been really good. Do you think he could be a Vesna finalist this year? Because I think that's my kind of hot take. That's
1: that's high praise. And I'm going to take the Forsberg one because Pillsy verbal meme here you know the guy walking down the street he's got his girlfriend on one arm and he's like looking back at the other girl that new girl is magnus hellberg for pillsy and anton (laughs) forsberg is being left behind in the dust so don't worry forsy i'll take you out for a nice dinner we'll get a glass of uh brunello we'll have a good time He's unbelievable. He's so calm in the net. He comes out and challenges. He's quick on his recoveries. He goes post to post so well. I mean, Hellberg got a nice post to post the other night, too. But uh, when you look at what his body is, of work is in his whole career, like I, I always go back to Mike McKenna, who former Sens goalie played in Belleville a lot. He said that they played together in Rockford or somewhere in like right when Forsberg was up and coming. And they're like, watch this kid. Like, he's so technically sound. He's going to be a very good NHL goalie. And it just didn't work out. And so much of it is opportunity. Hellberg alluded to that. Like, you can be as good as you want. Not a whole lot of jobs in the National Hockey League. And then there's some guys who kind of overstay their welcome, but they're already there. Not to point fingers at Mike Smith, but there's some guys who are still in the National Hockey League. You're wondering about them. I thought you
2: were going Martin Jones with that, Ross.
1: I could. Yeah, that guy's still- <laughs> Somehow in the National Hockey League. Thank you for Tim Stutzel, by the way, Mr. Jones. Yeah. Um, but when you're looking at it, it's, it's just a matter of getting your chance. He was on waivers three times. Mm-hmm. He changed teams three times during the pandemic. It comes to Ottawa and, and look at him now. Like this guy is, he's so confident, makes unbelievable glove saves. Like he gives the team so much confidence. I think Vesna is pretty hot. That's spicy. That's like, like, uh, I can't, I can't co-sign that. I'll say I'll say he finishes top ten in Vezina voting. I think that's even that would be pretty impressive. Like you've got some heavy hitters like Shosturkin. You know, I don't think he, I don't think he's going to beat Shosturkin's numbers at the end of the year. Vasilevsky, like there's that elite echelon. I throw Connor Hellebuck in that mix as well. Jacob Markstrom, but you could convince me he's in that second tier, which is still some pretty pretty good goaltenders.
2: Yeah, and although I love uh, Hellberg, I'm I'm still a Forsberg guy. Rasta, to, to reference that meme you did, sure, I'm I'm snapping my neck back looking at Hellberg quickly, but I'm still holding Forsberg's hand, like we're still walking together, right? So <laughs> just just want to make that clear, like we're we're still moving forward. I just just a quick, uh, ooh, what's what's that over there? Um, but yeah, Hellberg has been a lot of fun. Forsberg is. And the thing with Forsberg that, uh, and this is why we love having players on the show, is it was Sogard, right? Uh, Ross, That was telling us when he had time um, with Forsberg when they were together. Or was it Mando? It was one of those guys. I forget which one. uh, uh, Mads, Mads. Okay, so it was Sogard. So Sogard was telling us when he was up in the NHL limited time that... He was just amazed with the work ethic Anton Forsberg had. And that's the thing like, this is a guy that had to battle to get his job. He read Ian Mendez's article about Forsberg talking with his dad, being like, I think I might hang him up. Like, this is not happening. I'm working so hard, I'm not getting my opportunities. And he stuck with it. And the only reason he stuck with it and got a good contract in Ottawa is because of that hard work ethic that. He's battling to keep that net every night and he does a good job. So yeah, I'm a big Anton Forsberg guy. I think Vezna is, is a bit out of reach only because of how tough the competition is. There's so many good guys, but Anton Forsberg uh, is definitely a bright spot for the Ottawa senators.
0: Um, I wanted to move on to, to the defense obviously that have been helping out Forsberg and, and Helberg. Uh, I was at the game on Monday night and he, he looked great. Nice. Um,
1: he literally yeah. looks great, hey? Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> um, setup is it. awesome.
0: Woo. Yeah. Um, I wanted to to go to the defense, and they've been interesting this year uh, in terms of just how they've looked in, in some spots, very shaky, and at some po- points this year, really good. Do you think, like, what have you thought about this team's defense, and do you think they need to make it another addition? Obviously, Jacob Chikrin that's been rumored in other players so uh, yeah what are your thoughts
1: no i'm out on jacob Chikrin. i'm out that left side branny was my question mark he was like almost my throw in in the trade too it's just like yeah you know what take whoever you want like out of your your second level prospects cuz obviously pinto and uh, and sanderson for me are complete untouchables and if ridley was in it it would have to be a big part of the trade but anyone else i'd be like that per- like roby and brandstrom and a pick right but now it's like, man, Branscomb stepped up. He looks fantastic. Sanderson looks like he's played in the league twenty five years. Maybe not that long, because then you'd already be on the decline. Let's say he's been <laughs> in the league eight years. Um, but he just looks so smooth, and that left side is is perfectly adequate for me. I think they need to add on the right side, and I'm I'm president of the Travis Hamnick fan club. Uh, but I think that if he slotted in as a sixth defenseman, who in a pinch can play up, and if you're if you have a lead in the third period, play more minutes. I think that would be a perfect situation. I haven't loved Nick Holden's game so far this year. Same. Same. He, I mean he looks 36 years old. He is 36 years old. Like for me if he's the seventh guy who can come in in a pinch, yeah. that's great. But then you got to shoot 22 into the into the sun or into Belleville, whichever's closer. Um so for me I'm targeting a right a right side defenseman and and some will come up at the deadline. Like Ethan Bear is a sexy name that comes up. I think he would fit in well. He's he's kind of in that same age group as the other guys. I think he's 24, 25 years old. But then you wonder, it's like, why have teams given up on him already at this young of an age? His analytics have been good in Carolina. They were good in Edmonton. Like, why why does Carolina now want to move on from him? They already have a solid decor. Like, shouldn't he be fitting in there? He's kind of been in a lineup. So um, I that does make me curious. But I think... That uh a maybe not so sexy name like Chickering obviously he'd get all the headlines he'd lead TSN they might even talk about the sends on TSN which would be bad for our brand but no I I think that uh, a lesser known player could be the guy to step in I don't have a name off the top of my head like um well maybe I do because that Connor Murphy kid um who was traded to Chicago he's been kind of rumored around I think his contract's a little bit more expensive but if if he's over those concussion issues he had like they just need like a solid reliable guy. Cause you've seen how Sanderson can carry plays already. So it, it, he just needs a guy who can balance him out and maybe Hamnick's that guy, but if so, then, then let, maybe let's get someone for Branny who can, you know, help him a little bit more and, um and they'll be all good. But it, at the start of the year, Pills, was right, man. Like for all the takes that we dunk on him for, and he alluded to that earlier, like he said, like, let's be patient. Let's, let's see if we can hold on until the deadline and, Maybe we don't even have to add one or maybe we get one cheaper than these exorbitant prices that are coming our way before the season. So it's it's been a bright spot, I think, of this team is the growth of Branstrom, the evolution of of Jake Sanderson. And when you look at it, like their worst pair has probably been Shabbat and Zub and they were excellent in the last game against Dallas. So if they can continue on this path, then man, sky's the limit for this whole team.
0: Yeah, no, like I, I, I guess my question for you guys is: Do you think this decor, even if they got like a, like a decent rental at the deadline, is good enough to make the playoffs? Like they've been so good offensively and even defensively. I think they're thirteenth in goals allowed or something like that. So they've been decent. But uh, do you think this team is good enough defensively to make the playoffs?
2: I think the key word there that you said, Alex, is "good enough." Is this the ideal decor? that you can look at and be like Stanley cup contenders right here. No, it's not. And that's no secret. Pierre Dorian even said, I think his exact word, or was it DJ Smith said the decor is adequate. And sure. That doesn't say that's not exactly awe inspiring for fans to hear, but that's fine. You've loaded up in other spots. I've said a bunch. I think this is a team that's going to outscore a lot of their problems. And if we can get consistent goaltending from Anton Forsberg and, Magnus Helberg he looked all right to me and then we haven't even seen Cam Talbot yet if those guys can help out if you can outscore your problems and have goalies that can make those second saves that maybe an adequate decor isn't able to clear those rebounds out all the time then I think you're going to be fine like you're going to be able to compete for the playoffs now like I said are you looking at Stanley Cups here no because you need a lot more improvement but you also got to take a step back and be like, Sanderson is, is playing in his first six games in the NHL. Eric Brandstrom, although he's been around a long time, is still a young defenseman learning things here. Thomas Chabot is only going to get better, in my opinion. Hopefully they can extend Artem Zub to shore up that right side. And then you've got other prospects in Lassie Thompson and JBD that eventually, I believe, one of those guys will emerge into an NHL defenseman. So I, I, I will stick to Pilsey preaching patience. Sure, it's not the ideal decor right now, but I think the pieces are set in place that they don't need to make a drastic move and pay an arm and a leg to get Jacob Chikrin uh, right now.
1: And they've also got a few prospects coming up. They loaded on defensemen in this last draft. Nordberg, Hamar, Donovan. We got the K-train still coming. Yeah, I I think we'll need at least one year of AHL seasoning, but he's going to step in and just kill guys. like The way that Habs fans are talking about... uh, that Arbor Jack Eye kid yeah. like Ottawa has their own he's he's coming and he's gonna he's gonna throw his weight around when he gets the National Hockey League level I hope he's taking boxing class or something because right Jack being in the OHL like he had a little experience fighting before whereas Clevin is just a 6'5 monster who's gonna have to learn <laughs> on the fly with how, how to actually handle himself in a proper fight but uh, I'm actually I'm probably the reason I brought him up is I'm going down in a couple of weeks to, to North Dakota to go see I'll him know. play and the last time I saw him he was outstanding so I'm I'm open to see some growth with him with the puck but like between him Norberg Amara Donovan Ben Roger like one of these guys has to be a legit NHL defenseman so that kind of adds an interesting wrinkle because a guy like Chikrin who signed for two years after this one like does that come ultimately at the expense of Artem Zub after this year because I would rather just sign Zub to that same contract that Chikrin has and not mess with the chemistry, not put a lefty on the right side. Like, just give Zoob three by 4.6. I think that's probably a fair deal for both sides, no? But then Zoob probably saw the Zaitsev deal and was like, hey, give me seven by four and a half. Same age I, mean, well, anyway.
0: I mean, I'd still rather take that over Zaitsev, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess just to go off Zube a little bit. Like that is a big question mark going forward. And and how important do you think it is for them to re-sign Zoop?
1: I think it's super important, but I think that with the money coming off the books, it shouldn't be a, an issue. Like, yeah, sure. Timmy's extension kicks in and, and that'll obviously add uh almost. About $8 million. Million, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that's good. But I mean, if you look at it and just with, with um, Holden and Hammonick coming off the books, like, that pays for almost all of Timmy's upgrade just right there. And then you've got a couple like Watson, I think making 1.5. Like there's all these guys who I think entry level players will be able to come in, like have a crook shank on the third line or on the fourth line, taking Watson spot, something like that, or sign a guy at veteran minimum. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be the play rather than going out and, and trying to replace an Artem Zub. You have to keep him. like Wright's ID is already their weakest point. You can't be giving up your best guy at that position.
0: Are you are you guys worried that we might overpay for him?
2: No, I guess a, a right shot defenseman. If Zub was to leave and go on the open open market, he's gonna get paid like that. You yeah. you have to pay these guys, and there's no one on the right side right now. So if the Sens feel like they need to overpay him a little bit to keep him, I'm okay with that. And I especially knowing the, line, the cap's gonna go up.
1: Yeah, I draw the line at five million per year. Yeah. and I draw draw the line at five years. Like, I yeah. wouldn't go more than that either way. I believe he's 27 years old, so yeah. five years takes him to 32. I think that's a fair deal. Like, if he's turning down five by five, and I brought this up when uh, when we had Mark Mathod on, and I'm curious to hear his updated opinion now that, that Zoob's kind of played well out the gate, but, like, who does it benefit more that the fans absolutely love him? Like, there's more. You were at the game Monday. How many yeah. Zoob jerseys are there? They're everywhere.
0: Yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Like, there's more then- jerseys than Norris jerseys. And then, and then the whole game, you just are zoop, like, yeah. Why would he want to leave that? But at the same
1: time, the agent can be like, hey, look how loved he is. The fans are going to have a meltdown if they leave. Like, who does it benefit? Because he's not going to go into a, let's say he goes to Boston or, or just or insert random team." he's not going to have that immediate following like the fans absolutely adore him why would he want to leave but then again the agent goes all right well now i'm going to get an extra 500k out of them because you need him for your brand so i i think it's curious how that
0: um negotiation would go Mm -hmm. um i guess i i just wanted to before i ask you where you like how you think about them and if they're a playoff team this year who's been the best senators player that so far this year for you guys
2: I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it. I don't care what people think, but Mark Kastelic has been my guy. Like he is one of the top guys in faceoff percentages in the entire league. He's someone that has come in and really emerged as a fourth line center. Now I know it sounds funny saying a fourth line center, but Liam's Martian. He he said it himself at that game uh, when. When Cassidy made that big hit, had a fight, like the whole building changed. And I think there's things to be said that advanced analytics can't exactly tell you that when you have a guy like Cassidy on your team, the guys play a two inches taller on the ice because they feel a little safer. They got someone backing them up. And for a young centerman to be able to snap him back on the draw, like Mark Kaslick had the most face-off uh, attempts for any player on the Ottawa Senators in the last game. More than Drew. More than Stutzla, more than Pinto, and he's a, he's supposed to be your fourth line guy. To win faceoffs is so huge in a puck possession drawn league like it is now these days. So I didn't think I, like I knew Casti was going to be a good fourth line center. I didn't think he was going to have the impact that he's having already. So it like for most improved and like biggest surprise for me, I'm going Mark Gaslick.
0: Whatever. So just to to go off that before, maybe Ross can take it. What I've noticed so much is that they they played that fourth line against the top lines of all these other teams. And I'm like, at first, the first game, I'm like, what are what's a DJ doing? But they they've never really I don't think they've been against many goals against like they've been hasn't been bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a really interesting pick.
1: Yeah, 100%. No, I like that. I can't go anywhere but chain Pinto. I mean, we already talked about him earlier this year, but just the depth down the middle that Kastelik and Pinto have been able to give this team is, is awesome to see, and I mean, you, you look ahead to this offseason, like, yeah, Zub we talked about needs a contract. So does Shane Pinto. And I'm curious where you see these kids getting paid where they haven't even played that many games. So I don't think it's going to hurt him in negotiations that he missed all of last season with injury and burned that first year and only played 12 games. So I think that we're going to be in for a fascinating discussion of of what it's going to take to lock him up because I know eventually you have to bridge deal some of these guys. I don't know if Shane Pinto is the guy I would do that with. i try to lock him up with this, this core because... He's a guy who now the assistant GM has already gone to bat for at the draft and said he'd quit if they traded that pick. Like, he's got to be a part of the long-term future of this team. And then you look at – it's not the same at the top. And don't I don't want anyone to think I'm comparing them to the guys in Pittsburgh. But Jeff Merrick said it on, the, on uh, his show with Friedman that you're looking at almost a Crosby-Malkin stall down the middle where it's like you're set down the middle with these young kids and the sky's the limit for all their potential. And then you just build the wings around it. Like if those are your one, two, three, and, and even Casty at four, that's a great place to start for the future of this team down the middle.
0: What's interesting is both him and uh, Sanderson, I don't think can get offer sheeted, which I think really helps. Correct. And in, just in terms of like, with the like hopefully they re-sign to Brinkett and just managing that, it seems as though the sense weirdly enough with, I forget, what is it like? 10.2c that weird rule I always see on cap friendly but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out so I guess my my last question uh, before I let you guys plug your show is um, where do you like do you think the Sens are going to be a playoff team and 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 are you going to be coming to Ottawa both of you guys for when we're playing the Leafs in the first round Oh,
1: hundred percent we will when they're playing the lease in the first round. I might have to just take two weeks off of work and just take via rail back and forth from Toronto to Ottawa for every game that series. <laughs> I mean Penelope, you might have to kick out your tenant at your place in Toronto because we got we got business to take care of. But no, in all seriousness, we're definitely gonna make it to Ottawa one more time this year, whether it's uh over the Two whole more. Season. Two more. Come on. Two more? Okay. Yeah. I thought we were doing a road game at some point. The schedule sucks this year for road games though. Like there's yeah, no like fair. Like, I want to go like when they put, go to New York and they play like, the Islanders, then the Rangers, like back to back, that sort of thing. You want to kill two birds with one stone. It's harder to get to, but maybe next year, because obviously like, I'm playing a wedding right now. Things are, are tighter than they would be. Um, so I think eventually the goal is for the first road meetup to be in Vancouver. Th- there's always so many Sens fans out there. Um, and then you can kill two birds there by going to Seattle and, and doing that one too. And obviously going to see the new rink in Seattle would be fun, but uh, we'll absolutely be making it back to Ottawa. And, and to do that. Yeah. They, they got to make playoffs, but this Atlantic division is extremely talented. Like last night was good on the other. The fact I'm looking at the out of town scoreboard in October, <laughs> hoping Atlantic division teams lose is is all I needed after what we saw last year. Like, I'm actively cheering against Buffalo in a game against Seattle last night. Like, I'm like, let's come on. They are way too good on this road trip. Like those are points that they just bank for later in the season. And that's, those are tough places to play typically. So um, it's going to be a dogfight. And I'm sticking with, with what the management said with everyone. Like let's play, let's start with playing meaningful games down the stretch. And then we'll worry about getting into the postseason. but it's going to be a fun ride. Alex, it's going to be a lot more fun than we've had in the past few years. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, I, I've never seen playoff hockey live, Alex. So if this would be the year that it would happen and for the Ottawa centers to make it, I'd be there in, in a heartbeat. Even if the first game is on the road uh, somewhere far away, like I, I'm, I'm finding a way to do it. And my outlook is it's going to be close either way. Either. I think the Sens make it in the final wild card spot by two or three points or I think they missed the final wild card spot by two or three points like I think it's coming right down to the wire
0: well thanks so much for coming on guys this was so much fun uh I just wanted to plug you guys and and what are you guys working on right now going forward anything listeners should should stay tuned and, and keep their eyes and ears open for you guys at Lockdown Senators
1: well, we're coming up on the behind the play podcast, which is yeah. the <laughs> podcast huge. In the city. Thank you. Um, no, we, we're we're just grinding away. Now it's in season. Like we have three seasons at Locked On Senators, so we're a little bit less than the world with four. Uh We've got off season, which is also called interview season. We've got draft season, and then we've got hockey season and we're into our favorite one it's hockey season it's all all puck all the time so we'll touch on the sends abroad which is is a hashtag we came up with during the 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 days where ottawa wouldn't make the playoffs but it seemed like there were a hundred players around the national hockey league who used to play for ottawa so we'd follow them and that was kind of a pandemic thing for me too to build my my favorite thing in the world which is uh uh, spreadsheets on uh on our google documents so uh we had fun with that I, i've kind of let that go to the wayside now this is a fun team to watch but we always like like if mark stone scores a great goal we'll we'll put that up and we'll touch on it on the show we love following our prospects around the world and whether that's guys playing in division two in sweden or um has got his finnish guys he loves going on his scouting trips to finland but no we're, we're all sends all the time and um now it's finally a little more fun so um that's the gist of the show we'll get interviews when we can sporadically throughout but uh with both of our schedules and what we can do in the summer right is you can sit down and do three interviews in a row and then do it for the week and then spread them out a little behind the play here but what what changes so quickly during an nhl season it's harder to bank those interviews. So when we do them, we want to put them out right away. And that's why it's just easier. Like we already only have 30 to 40 minutes as it is each day. So we, we can fill that with, with our eyes closed, basically not our mouth closed, but with our eyes. Um, so we're, we're, just all sends all the time. And, um, and that extends to alumni and, and prospects as
0: well. Well, thank you so much for coming on guys. I've really appreciated. And uh, yeah. Thank you so much. You're, you're going to be our next San Central citizen, or what, Alex? Oh, I'm I'm totally down. I'm so ready. Just right. uh, shoot shoot me, and uh, I'll come on, and uh, I'll have a great time. So thank you well, so there much. There
1: you go. You just yeah. nailed it right there. So next week, you expect to hear Alex Adams on the Locked On Senators podcast.
2: There you go.